0: This is Action Voices, I'm JD Gray. When ALS changes or impairs someone's ability to speak, many turn to augmentative and alternative communication or AAC, to find their voice. As a member of Team Gleason, SLP Emily Kornman joins the podcast to discuss her work with the nonprofit, which supports people with ALS, often through the use of technology. We'll hear Emily tell us about her work as Team Gleason's SLP, and we'll hear from a family Emily helped with voice and message banking as a part of Team Gleason. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Squirt of Voices comes from Power Diary, a complete practice management system perfect for speech, language, and hearing professionals. Head on over to www.powerdiary.com to learn more about the 100 powerful features that can benefit you and your practice. Join a live demo or start a free trial today at www.powerdiary.com. As we look forward to the 2022 ASHA convention, we're thinking today of this year's Annie Glenn Award winners, Steve Gleason and his wife, Michelle. Steve Gleason was well known for his professional football career before being diagnosed with ALS. Now, he's the force behind Team Gleason, a nonprofit organization supporting those with ALS. Team Gleason is fueled by Steve's personal journey and his story and uses the motto "No White Flags" to demonstrate that Steve and others won't surrender to ALS. And on the team's website, Steve is quoted as saying, "Quote, I believe my future is greater than my past." end quote. I think it's fair to say that stories, both past and future, are essential to the work of Team Gleason, and that may not be more apparent than with those who are message banking with Team Gleason's SLP, Emily Kornman. Later in the conversation, we're going to bring in the voice of someone that Emily works with, Brian and his wife, Christy, as well. But first, I welcomed Emily to the podcast to discuss her role on Team Gleason. To begin, I asked her to tell me a bit about Steve Gleason's story and the mission of Team Gleason.
1: Steve got diagnosed with ALS back in 2011 and that was the same year that Steve and his wife Michelle started Team Gleason. All the way back then Steve really wanted to show that although you have this diagnosis of ALS you can still live a purposeful meaningful life and he really wanted to focus his efforts on technology because Steve believes that until there is a cure for ALS technology will be that cure. So That was our mission back in 2011, and we still hold very close and very true to that mission through providing communication devices, communication device co-pays, voice and message banking funding, and a lot of other program services that allow individuals to continue living independently. One of my favorite services we do provide is voice and message banking funding and support.
0: I'm going to ask you a little bit more about voice and message banking in just a minute. So, hoping you might give a little bit of an overview. What's it like to be the SLP for Team Gleason? I understand you have an interesting role.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible, and it's something that I never thought would be possible. I didn't think there was a role like this out there. At Team Gleason, I'm lucky enough to spend about half of my time working in clinic with individuals with ALS and other neurodegenerative diseases. So that's about 50% of my time. And since we don't take insurance, we don't charge insurance, I'm able to see them for as long as needed without having to kind of fall under those restrictions of clinic and making sure it's productive and all of this. I can really just give them what they need. The other half of my time is spent on the innovation team. And so the innovation team includes working with different partners, in the tech field who are trying to change the future of technology to make it more accessible. We work with partners like Google, Microsoft, or other tech startups that are also making innovative, accessible technology.
0: I wanna ask you about that in a second. How many people do you see in the clinic?
1: That is challenging. I see about, (laughs) it's kind of hard to think about how many overall. I see about six to 12 per week. And then I think in a quarter, I actually just pulled this report, in a quarter, I see 36 different families with ALS, and that's around 80 to 100 sessions per quarter.
0: And so as a part of the innovation team, I understand you're probably often walking other team members through the experiences of people with ALS, helping to kind of create a better understanding of what that may be like. What types of things are you sharing?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly right. Whenever these big tech companies are creating stuff for individuals who will use it. They don't always have that knowledge of what it's actually like to live with ALS. I mean, no one has that knowledge unless you've lived it. So Team Gleason plays that unique role where we're able to connect them with the families and give a voice of this is what's needed in technology to the bigger tech partners who are actually creating that technology, making sure that it's truly patient first or person first for what they're creating.
0: Going back to the thinking about the clinic perspective, what are some of the services you offer? You mentioned a few, but what does a day look like for you on that side?
1: So for my clinic, I'll work with individuals from the very beginning of their diagnosis and then throughout as things change. With ALS, it's constantly changing. So you might have someone who's speaking today, and then they just might need services like voice banking and message banking. And then it might change to where their speech is effective for like 50 to 70 percent of the day. So maybe they need low tech, like voice amplification, or maybe they just need to learn some strategies to make the environment more easy to communicate in. We'll work with that. I'll also do alternative access evaluations. So maybe they can communicate pretty clearly verbally, but they're having trouble accessing their laptop or their phone. Those are all forms of communication that we wanna make sure they can still communicate through. Cause texting, TikTok, Instagram, all of these things are just as important as face-to-face communication for some individuals. And then finally, AAC evaluation. So going through the process of trying to determine which device is right for someone and then making sure that it works in all different environments they're working in. And then as things change, you might have to modify someone's device as well. So maybe their eye gaze or their eye movements do change. So you might have to modify their page sets or different things on the communication software. So I work with them throughout their entire journey on whatever they're working with.
0: So we've mentioned voice banking and message banking. Could you tell us a little bit about those two services?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. So I call the whole process voice preservation because that includes voice banking, message banking, and another process that John Costello created called double dipping. Voice preservation overall is the process of recording and saving one's voice so that you can later use it on a communication device. And that can be done through voice banking, which turns your voice into a synthetic voice that a computer can essentially read out anything you type or use your eyes to type or use anything to type in a voice that sounds like yours. And then message banking is recording digitized messages. Um, And that's usually words, phrases, a laugh, or different things that really capture who you are and put it in digitized messages that will come out exactly as you sound.
0: In just a moment, I'm going to invite Brian and his wife, Christy, to join our conversation. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about when you met them.
1: Yeah, we actually met them during, I don't know, the first, second week of the pandemic. So it was a really interesting time. Brian was diagnosed during COVID and we did a handoff of the Zoom recorder, a very safe handoff because they actually live in my neighborhood. So they came and picked up the Zoom recorder and we did our first few sessions through telehealth. And then I could finally see them in person and it was incredible. And so that was about two years ago and I've been working with them ever since.
0: I'd like to bring them both into the conversation now. Brian and Christy, welcome to Ash of Voices.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Well, what I'm gonna ask is I know that you did some message banking with Emily. And so I was going to ask you throughout this conversation to share a few of the messages that you selected and I'll probably be asking you why you selected those. If you don't mind now just selecting a message, one that maybe means something special to you that you decided to record and sharing it.
2: Hello, good people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your decision to record that message.
2: I love walking into spaces and bringing a bit of life. That is something I used to say every day to the admins at the school I worked at.
0: That was kind of something you were known for in a way. Would you say that's true?
2: Kind of, yes.
0: Emily, you mentioned earlier how things change with ALS over time. Could you talk about, the three of you, could you talk a little bit about the timeline for message banking and for voice banking?
1: For everyone, it's a little different based on when they get diagnosed and I guess when they get referred for voice and message banking. I'd say it's always best to do it right away. It might be something that's challenging to think about in the beginning, but that's why it's so important as an SLP to understand how to really establish rapport and get to know someone before you bring up that topic because. When their voice is the strongest and when it's the most them that they are, that's when you really want to record their voice because you want to save who they are as a person and save that personal identity. But to do that, you do have to just take time and work with them and get to know them, ask them their story, learn about them, learn what is most important to them, what are some concerns they have. Because if you can't get through those concerns, then it might be challenging for them to fully open up and trust you and do that process with you.
0: Christy, you're someone that was probably hearing Brian's voice a lot and thinking about this process as well. What were you thinking about when you first heard of message banking?
3: For Brian, his voice was just something that was very important to all of us. He He's a writer, and he speaks a lot, and has that was just a part of his profession. And so the idea for us right away to bank his voice was just really important, where I could see for some people it could be a little devastating that you're bringing that topic up. But everything for us going into with ALS, we were trying to be ahead of the game with the idea of look, we're going to do this voice banking, because it's smart to do it now. And we may never use it. And that's fine. He might not ever lose his voice. But if he does, then we have it. And we've done it all in the right timing. And so that's really the attitude we took. Also, like Emily mentioned, it was COVID and we were all homebound. So he really had nothing else to do besides sit here and record his 800 phrases it was it was kind of a good time to get those phrases recorded and the whole family was in on it we have five kids so they also told brian phrases that they wanted him to record because they wanted to remember his voice even telling silly jokes and things like that so brian did an amazing job with recording and was very creative in all of his recordings. And so it really paid off in the end.
0: Brian, would you like to share another recording with us? Maybe one that shows off that either creativity or one that connects with your family?
1: And he's in the process of writing something for y'all.
0: I'm going to jump in briefly. Emily mentioned that Brian was in the process of typing something he wanted to say in this conversation. And when typing out responses with an AAC device, it can take time. In our conversation, we were connected by video and I could see Brian throughout that time. In this instance, you'll hear us continue our conversation as Brian continues to type. At other times in this podcast, I'll shorten that amount of time with an edit, but I wanted to mention this important part of communicating with an AAC device. I think it further demonstrates a difference between speech constructed from voice banking and recalled responses from message banking. Emily will share more on the differences between voice banking and message banking.
1: I was gonna touch on a point that Christy said. She always like highlights just the main themes of message banking, which is incredible. Message banking really does give the whole family a unique opportunity to come together and reflect on someone's communication style. So like, what is unique about what dad says to us? What do I hear? And I'm like, oh, that's my dad, I'm gonna miss that. That's what message banking is. And voice banking and message banking overall it's really important for your own social identity, for you to continue to hear, oh, my voice just like went up a lot. I must be very passionate about that topic or I'm really angry right now and this person's going to know that because of the sound of my voice. Those are all things that you wanna record because you wanna continue to have control over how you sound in a situation. If you just use voice banking, And Brian's like, Christy, I'm pretty pissed off at you right now, which I don't think he'd say. But if he did, um, with voice banking, it would be so flat and he wouldn't get his point across. But if he banked that message, then he would be able to control and say, I'm really upset right now. And these people are going to know that. The other thing about message banking is that it helps sustain and nurture those social bonds you have with your family. Because if you think about a mom speaking to her baby, the baby doesn't know language yet, but they know the sound of their mom's voice. And that's soothing for the baby. And that happens every time we speak with someone we know. It creates what's called an emotional auditory event. And message banking, storing that message helps to continue to sustain that bond with your family.
3: And I just want to add that before when Brian received his device, it wasn't His voice wasn't ready yet to be downloaded. So there was about three months, I think, that we had just one of the standard voices on the computer. His name was Will. And we had Will talking to us all the time. And honestly, that was very awkward having a new voice in the house. Whereas when Brian received his voice on his computer, It was like he was back. And now people say to me or ask, how does it feel that he's lost his voice? And honestly, humans are so adaptable. But in my mind, he doesn't not speak. He's there every day. We hear him clearly (laughs) every day. And so I honestly forget that Technically, his voice is gone, because to me, it's not.
2: I started banking. Right. Away and I didn't understand why. It was very difficult for me. I had no idea I would actually lose my voice. It felt unfathomable. So, it was challenging. In retrospect, I am insanely grateful that we started so early. And we needed it sooner than I thought.
0: Mm-hmm. If you could play another of your favorite message, maybe something that relates to your family or creativity or, or stands out to you for another reason.
2: Hey, Micah, I love you.
0: Who is Micah?
2: One of my sons. Hmm.
0: Tell me what went into you deciding to record that. What does this message mean to you?
2: I tell my kids a million times a day that I love them and am proud of who they are. I did not ever want to lose that.
1: Do you want to play your laugh or any of the jokes? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to know how did you get such a I think a laugh can be a difficult thing to perform so how did you get a laugh that sounded so earnest on tape
2: I had my recorder with me when hanging out with a friend
0: Mm, your friend made you laugh Christy what did you talk about when discussing what messages to record is that something you two discussed
3: we did because Emily and I were always on him making sure he was getting his 800 phrases recorded. It's kind of easier since we have five kids. So everything pretty much was done five times. I guess, honestly, I was not extremely involved in the beginning. Because he was high functioning at recording time. And I was basically like, this is your project, like you need to get it done. (laughs) And... uh, again, during quarantine and COVID and all that. So life was pretty crazy. I was more involved in the process on the back end once he had his messages all recorded. And then I had to do a lot of work behind the scenes. And it was at that point where I was like, oh, shoot, I should have been a little more involved in this. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are some key things that he forgot to record. And so on this end, it's, it's awesome, because I've been able to sit with Emily and say, Okay, these are the things we should have added in our recording. And so she's been able to write those things down. And hopefully we can help future clients of hers to make sure they get those things recorded. And as an example would be, he did not record our last name. So he has his name, first name recorded a lot, but he has no Brian Johnson saying his full name. So, and as you can imagine, the computer, his synthesized voice butchers it pretty much. So, and then a couple of other things like his friends' names. As for the family, he has us all down and he's a very romantic guy so he has every lovable sweet phrase that you can imagine recorded and he even recorded our vows so he has and he has some poetry recorded so he really went above and beyond on his own but some of the simple things like his last name those were forgotten
0: (laughs) brian i'm going to ask you to share one more message if you'd be willing to
2: You're the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Yeah, tell me the story behind that recording.
2: I always wanted to be able to communicate to Chris who she is to me with my own words.
0: Christy, what's your reaction to hearing this?
3: Like I mentioned earlier, him being able to say those things in his own voice makes a world of a difference. And it just makes you feel like he's still who he was, being that he still has his voice and he's able to communicate those things. And again, if Will was saying that to me, it wouldn't give me the butterflies that it gives me still with it being in his own voice.
1: Chrissy's mentioned a few times that Brian recorded 800 messages. And I wanna (laughs) clarify that that's because he did the process called double dipping. So with double-dipping, you're doing a lot of banked messages and using those banked messages to create that synthetic voice. The process of voice banking alone takes about 50 phrases, and those are predetermined phrases that a company will tell you to say these 50 phrases, and it takes about 20 minutes. But what Brian did was he, he had so many things to say and so many things that he wanted banked in his exact voice, that he was able to use that to create an even higher quality synthetic voice. Double dipping's kind of like you get two for the effort of one, and it's a lot of effort, like Chrissy was mentioning, but it's very worth it. I mean, his voice sounds incredible.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. I'm gonna ask, I'm probably gonna ask you a few more questions, Emily, about AAC, about being an SLP, about Team Gleason. Before we move on, I just wanted to ask, Brian, if you had anything else that you wanted to share with our audience.
2: I think that losing my ability to speak has been the hardest part of this disease for me. With Emily's encouragement, the loss of my voice has been softened as I feel I have been given the greatest gift in the midst of the cluster.
0: That's really powerful. I'm really happy that you're able to join us because I feel like what you've shared with us demonstrates the connection that this technology has to your identity and to your emotional life. And thank you for sharing that with us. And Brian Christie, both. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll speak with Emily about the future of AAC and how her role with team Gleason has changed the way she thinks about technology in her own life. Support for of Voices comes from PowerDiary. Work smarter, not harder. PowerDiary is the complete practice management system for speech, language, and hearing professionals, offering more than 100 powerful features, including appointment scheduling, client messaging, soap notes, telehealth portal, payment integrations, and much, much more. Let PowerDiary simplify and streamline your day-to-day operations, so you can take care of clients, not admin. Join a live demo or start a free trial today. Learn more at www.powerdiary.com. We're returning to our conversation with Emily Kornman, Team Gleason's SLP. Because costs can be linked to access, I asked Emily about this issue with regards to AAC equipment. I asked her about Team Gleason's approach to making AAC technology available.
1: I'll speak specifically to ALS because that's what I have the most experience in. With ALS, if you are able to get on Medicare, then Medicare will cover about 80% of a communication device if it's the appropriate timing and you're ready for it. If someone's on hospice, it doesn't cover a communication device at all. If someone's in a nursing home or a long-term care facility, it also won't cover a device at all. Insurance doesn't cover voice banking either, so that is something that If it weren't for Team Gleason, individuals would have to pay for it on their own. So with Team Gleason, we cover the full cost of voice banking, which through a service like Acapella is about $1,000 for a lifetime subscription or a lifetime download of the voice. We cover that. Last year, we did just under 1,000 voices, and I think this year we're going to far surpass 1,000 voices for individuals with ALS across the U.S., Team Gleason covers the copay of communication devices, so this device is probably around $16,000, and copays are usually around $3,000, so that's something that we cover for any individual with ALS that requests that service. For individuals who are in nursing homes or long-term care facilities or on hospice, we completely just send out communication devices to them we're thankful and lucky enough to partner with an organization called Bridging Voice, and they'll do evaluations before to determine which device is right for that patient. And then we will send out the long-term loaner to that individual, and then Bridging Voice will actually come in and do the training and support. So that's, again, for individuals who can't go through insurance. That's kind of the process that we help with. We also help with, let's say they don't need a communication device yet, but they need some sort of alternative access, which is like a head mouse, or adaptive mouse, or anything to help them access their smartphone or tablet, we would send out that as well, and also connect them with our partners. And, you know, I'm thinking of
0: this equipment and AAC kind of more broadly, what kind of uh, things are on the horizon? Are, is there any innovations, any changes that we might expect to see in the next five to 10 years? Like what are you seeing in the, with regards to AAC? But what could be next?
1: I think that technology is just more accessible overall now. So beforehand, it was, you know, you would have to either get this high tech device or use low tech. There wasn't as much commercially available products for people who couldn't afford or couldn't get the high tech through insurance. Some big tech companies like Google really are doing a lot in this space where they are creating free accessibility apps for example their look to speak app it's not a dedicated speech generating device and it's not something that's all-encompassing but it does allow someone to just use three eye movements to speak a set of predetermined phrases that would be great for someone in the hospital or someone who's outside and their communication device isn't working so i see a lot more commercially available accessibility features in products like iPhones, Androids, or just software and apps being used as well.
0: Has your role changed the way that you think about communication in any way in your daily life? Are you thinking about accessibility as you live your life more often?
1: I actually made the big jump to go from an iPhone to an Android just because Google has all these free apps and I always tell people about them, but if I don't have it to show them, then what's the use of it? (laughs) I um, am definitely always evaluating, like, how is something accessible? And then I also see, how do I communicate with people daily? So, for example, I have a group of friends, and we have a text message group. We have an Instagram group chat. We have a Snapchat group chat. So, three different ways that we communicate daily for different things. So, just in my understanding, Medicare wants people to use speech-generating devices to speak face-to-face with individuals. Like, that's the main purpose. But that's not the only way people communicate. Communication is so much more about distance communication as well. So how do we text our kids? How do we keep up with what they're doing on social media? Or how do we stay, uh, just stay young, I guess, and just make sure that we're up to date with what they're looking at? So much more than just face-to-face communication. So if we limit it someone's ability to communicate with those around them. I mean, think about how isolating COVID would have been if you couldn't use Zoom or Facebook groups and things like that.
0: That is such a good point because communication is evolving and just as we evolve with our technology, that kind of affects who we're able to reach as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I wanna end with a question, sort of a reflection on the Team Gleason website. I mentioned this earlier, Steve is quoted as saying, I believe my future is greater than my past. And a lot of this conversation has centered on stories and thinking about what's next, what's in the future, the stories we create by living our lives, the stories that inform where we are today and the words we use to tell those stories. So I guess what I'm wondering is how these stories inform your work and how you think of those you work with. What role do stories play in your work?
1: That's a good question. So like I mentioned earlier, I think starting with someone's story is how i even just begin any therapeutic relationship with someone is by asking them that their story getting to know who they are throughout this entire journey with als i always want to make sure that any challenges or like barriers they're facing to living their story i want to try to remove those however we can with technology to continue allowing them to like live out their story and live out what's most important to them so i think It shapes my clinical practice overall because it's not just about, okay, this person's having trouble communicating. Let's use this formula to fix it. But it's about what is important to them and how can we get them to continue living their story. And they rewrite their story and change your story as they go. And it just, it's incredible. Brian, overall, has changed some of my story because I was working all the time most weekends over 40 hour a week just like constantly working because I wanted to I thought and he was telling me like Emily in your job you see how short life is like what are you doing and (laughs) ever since then I did cut back and I did start making sure that I was doing what's most important to me as well
0: can you tell me just a little bit more about that what did his words mean to you what change did it create
1: it just helped me evaluate how to live each moment and choose in that moment what is important to focus on and what is important to just live day by day instead of constantly focusing on the future and making sure that I'm doing whatever is best to make my future greater. But your future is greater by living in the present, I would say, and experiencing each day.
0: Emily Cornman, thanks for being a part of Asha Voices today.
1: Thank you for having me and letting me share my story and letting Brian and Christy share their story.
0: Emily Kornman is an SLP working with Team Gleason. I want to send a special thank you to Brian and his wife, Christy, for making this interview possible. They were generous with their time and energy. Brian, Christy, thank you. See Team Gleason founder Steve Gleason and his wife Michelle recognized at the 2022 ASHA convention. They will be receiving the Annie Glenn Award for their work with those with ALS. That's in New Orleans this November. Find all of the details for convention at asha.org. We'll put a link to the convention page on the blog post for this episode. That's at on slash podcast. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from Power Diary, the complete practice management solution. Join a demo today for a complete overview of the system and how it can benefit you and your practice. Visit www.powerdiary.com and click demo from the main navigation. Thanks for listening. I'm J.D. Gray and this is ASHA Voices.